0: It is good to see you all. It is good to be uh, together again. We are still walking through First Corinthians where we find ourselves this morning right smack in the middle of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 and what I hope will be a uh, word of encouragement to each of us as we uh, prepare to hear this word together. And I want to let you know that uh, in the verses that we find ourselves in, in verses 17 through 24, I personally believe that really Uh, what Paul has to say to the church of Corinth is really the central truth of this entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And if you remember, we've already walked through uh, two weeks, two very challenging weeks um, with Paul writing to uh, the Corinthian Christians and specifically about how he shared with them um, about how couples should remain together in marriage and and make sure they maintain uh, intimacy uh, within their own marriages. And from there, we saw how Paul then taught on the beauty of the covenant that is marriage itself, and then saw what Paul also had to share with the Corinthian Christians on how they should handle divorce. And so as we get into our text this morning, we really get into the why for all that Paul has taught to this point. And so uh, what I would encourage you to do is, uh, as we examine this passage together in verses 17 through 24 is to maybe go back and reread the beginning verses of 1 Corinthians 7, but start in verses 17 through 24 and then uh, go back to verse 1 because I believe uh, maybe Paul's words in those first 16 verses might make a little more sense. And what I hope that we see this morning as we unpack this text is Paul had a very simple point and a simple message for the Corinthian Christians, and that was this, is that we as believers are called to remain where we are called. Now, I believe that this is a good word for not only the Corinthian Christians, but also a good word for us this morning. Because you see, if you think about it too, oftentimes we ourselves get caught looking ahead to the next thing that we tend to miss, the work or the ministry that the Lord has right in front of us. Too often, as believers today, we look around to see what other churches are doing, and yet we begin to desire those things, and ultimately we miss what it is that the Lord is doing among us within our faith family. Too often, we see that the grass may be greener on the other side, or we begin to believe that the grass is greener on the other side, and yet we miss the pasture that God has called us to care for where our feet are planted. Now, doesn't this sound familiar to maybe some of the thoughts that we have had ourselves? I mean, I think if we were to be honest with ourselves for a moment, I would imagine that many of us could probably ask the question of ourselves and come to the conclusion that often we look towards the end goal, and yet we fail to miss the work it takes to get there. And so here's the truth that I want us to realize this morning is we cannot expect the results we desire if we are unwilling to put in the work. Now, again, don't hear that and then hear me saying that we have a works-based relationship with the Lord, that we have a works-based faith. That's not at all what I am talking about. You see, I think if we were to, to put this particular passage in context with what we've already read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1-16, through 16, I think I could say this, I cannot expect in my own life to have a better marriage as Paul has already described if I'm not willing to work at my marriage. I cannot expect to be healthy if I'm not willing to train. I cannot expect to grow in my love for the Lord and my understanding of who the Lord is if I'm not willing to study the Word and dive deeper into the Word. And so here's what ultimately happens. When my needs are not being met, and I imagine all of us could say the same thing, I begin to start looking around for the better. And yet, I fail to see what is directly in front of me. I fail to see what God has for me and see that God has me right where he wants me. How many of us have had those thoughts? Maybe not in that order, maybe not following along that same train, but how many of us have had those thoughts? When we look at our text this morning, Paul actually sees this problem for the Corinthian Christians. You see, he had just given them more steps to follow in order to live out their own holiness and the call to that holiness and the challenge that comes with that holiness. And yet Paul realizes that the Corinthian Christians were really missing the main point. You see, in the midst of their frustration, in the midst of their seeking this the status that they had hoped to achieve in the midst of all of their grumbling and complaining and questioning about how unhappy they were within their own circumstances. They were missing what was happening right in front of them. They were missing what it was that the Lord had called them to do. And so Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians and he teaches them to remain where you are called. So let's go ahead and read this together. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join with me. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 17. And once you can and you are able and you have found your place in the Word of God, I would invite you to stand now as we read the Word of God together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, or excuse me, 17, Paul writes, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, in our passage, Paul actually gives the Corinthian Christians really the fundamental truth that sums up everything that he has said and and will continue to say here in chapter 7. And it's found right here in our passage. In fact, he's actually going to repeat this truth three times in our passage. Now, what we ultimately see is Paul actually teaches this truth not only to the Corinthian Christians, but then he also says that this is actually a rule for all other churches to follow. So we'll get more into that in a moment. And so as we dive into this text, I think the best way for us to, to really research this text and understand this text is to really think about it like a, like a sandwich. And I'm not talking about the cheap sandwich that we throw together on our way out the door. I'm talking about a really good sandwich. You know, like three slices of bread on a sandwich because you can never have enough bread, right? Who just booed that and said, no, shame on you. Get right with the Lord. Three toasted pieces of bread on a sandwich. sounds wonderful. That's our fundamental truth this morning. It's the three slices of bread. In the midst of that, we find the meat and the veggies of the sandwich, which is the two methods on, on how this truth should now call us to live the lives that we have now been called according to Jesus Christ. So let's just begin with the bread, because when it comes to a good sandwich, it ultimately starts with the bread. And let us ask this question. What is the central truth of our passage? Well, Paul actually answers that question in verses 17, verse 20, and again in verse 24. Paul answers the question, which has already become our stated subject for this morning, and that is this, remain where you are called. Look with me at verse 17. Paul writes, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Again, in verse 20, Paul writes, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And again in verse 24, he says, So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Notice how Paul talks about the call to remain as our central truth for this passage. Now, if you go back and read verses 17 through 24 in the ESV, you'll actually see that the word is called, the word call is actually used eight times in our passage. In other translations, it's used roughly nine times. Now, earlier in our study, as we began to walk through 1 Corinthians, we knew from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that he used the word call in terms of our salvation. Now, Paul does this for the Corinthian Christians in order to remind them about their calling to Christ, by Christ, for the glory of God, and therefore what he is referencing is their salvation, which now belongs to them. However, as we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul uses the same word, but now instead of speaking of salvation, he's speaking more in terms of circumstances that the Corinthian Christians find themselves in. In fact, to to sum up what Paul is saying here, I believe that he's saying to the Corinthian Christians and to us today, he is saying, remain where you are. The Lord has you right where he wants you. Do not give up on the work of the Lord has called you to right where He has you because the Lord God does not make mistakes. You may not be happy with your circumstances today, but the Lord still has you. You may have walked in this morning dealing with issues in your home or in your work or in your family, and guess what? The Lord still has you remain where you are called. Or if you're one of those folks into fancy cliches, then maybe Paul would say it this way to you, bloom where you are planted. You see, as we look at this text, this truth justifies not only Paul's words on marriage and divorce, as you go back and reread them, but we also see how this word now justifies how, how Paul has now called families to remain together. So all of a sudden, when you hear this central truth in verses 17, 20, and 24, everything that we've read to this point now makes sense. But notice what Paul does in verse 17. He takes it one step further. And he says, this is my rule in all the churches. Now here Paul teaches that his instructions are not just for the Corinthian Christians, so it's not just for their context, but rather it's for all of the churches, and what he is teaching actually transcends just the local circumstances that the Corinthian Christians find themselves in. You see, Paul wanted the believers in Christ to be content with living their lives in the places where the Lord had planted them. In other words, as Believers in Christ, Paul says that we should not worry because our lives and our work really is irrelevant when it comes to the relationship that we now have with God. And so Paul would say, why are you worried? And as Paul teaches, it is God who ultimately has called us to where we are. You see, none of us are here today by chance. If you believe that you just happened to drive by this church and thought, wow, what a wonderful place. Maybe I should pull in. You might have had that thought, but the reality is this. It is the Lord our God who has led you to this place. And so there is reason and purpose for your being here. Now again, does this mean we should negate all future planning? No. Please plan ahead. Please make plans for your future, but do not miss for a second, what it is that the Lord may be doing in front of you. And as you plan, plan with this in mind, if the Lord wills. You see, I love what John Piper says about this particular point. He says this, Remain in the state you were in when you were converted, when you were drawn by God into a believing, loving fellowship with the Son. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if I can encourage you this morning, let me encourage you with this. Do not lose sight of your calling to Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of your salvation, but then at the same time, don't miss what it is that Jesus Christ has called you to right where He has you. Don't get caught in the daydreams that you wish were reality, but rather see what it is that Jesus Christ is doing in your midst. And so I want to ask you this morning, as believers today, do you see the opportunities that are right in front of you? Do you see the ministry opportunities that, that can be done and the needs that can be met, whether they're in your workplaces or, or in your homes or even in and through our local churches? You see, Paul in three verses in, in and in a simple truth has now called the church to be content right where the Lord has them. But not only to be content with where the Lord has them, but to not lose sight of the calling that now has been placed upon their lives. And so I want to ask us today, are we content with where the Lord has us? Now again, Paul is not saying sit back and do nothing. We'll get more on that in a moment but rather what Paul is saying to us is that we need to pay attention to the call that the Lord has placed in our life and what it is that the Lord has placed right in front of us. To see the opportunity. And as he says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 5, to make the most of every opportunity. Now, what Paul does from there is he gives us this wonderful three slices of bread in recognizing that we are to be content and remain in the Lord, he then teaches the Corinthian Christians how this will now play out in two of the major issues that they are now facing, which we ourselves may face today. And so Paul will now address these issues. We see the first one in verses 18 and 19. Paul gives us this truth. He says, if we remain, meaning we remain in Christ, we remain in our call, we remain content in the call. If we remain then we will not worry about our status. If we remain, we will not worry about our status. Here Paul says in verses 18 and 19 that if you remain in Christ, remain in your call, remain content in who you are in Christ, then here's the reality for you as a believer. Your status in life will not matter. In other words, you won't change who you are to become something that you are not because you are content in who Christ made you to be. Now, the text that Paul gives us as an example is, is on circumcision. In verse 18, he says, Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Here, Paul says, look, you do not need to remove the marks of who you are. Now, to understand a little bit of context of what Paul is saying when when speaking about circumcision is this. It was possible in Paul's day for the Corinthian Christians to either remove the mark or hide the mark of circumcision. Oftentimes, they would do this as an athlete because, believe it or not, in Paul's days, athletes competed in the nude. And so Jewish athletes wanted to hide who they were. Often in society, these same Jews looked up to the Greco-Roman society. They wanted the the status of the Greco-Roman society. And so they thought, based upon that status, I need to either change who I am, change my mark, or better yet, hide it so that I can better blend in with my surroundings. In fact, there were some amongst the Corinthian Christians who even thought that it would be more pleasing to God if they simply removed the mark of circumcision. Circumcision. And so here's what Paul says to them. He says, Your circumcision does not determine or dictate your salvation. You see, Paul wanted the Corinthian Christians to realize that their standing, or better yet, their status in society, did not determine their salvation. That should be a praise God moment for us today. Paul's not, or not Paul, God's not looking at any of us and going, Well, you didn't get a master's degree so maybe maybe we shouldn't let you in he's not looking at us today and going well listen you were you were great at being a musician you were also a collected enough that you love to read you were a semi-decent athlete but but because you couldn't fix things in your home i'm not letting you in praise be to god he's not saying that because i'm going to go ahead and tell you in my house I break things. Not intentionally. I watch videos on how to fix stuff. Never fix them. Never works out that way. I break them. Some of you guys know because I call you. You know who you are. I call experts. You're in this room. It ain't me. (laughs) Praise be to God that I don't have to know that. You see, the fact of the matter is this. Paul teaches us this, if we remain in Christ, then our status should not matter. If we remain in Christ, then our status in this world won't matter at all. Why? Well, Peter answers that question for us in 1 Peter chapter 1. Why? Because we know this place is not our home. This is not our kingdom. We're just passing through. We're we're, we're the strangers here. (laughs) And so Paul wants the Corinthian Christians in that same point to understand that their status is really found in Christ. Their status is found in the hope of the kingdom to come. Not the the kingdom that can be built upon this earth. In fact, Paul continues from there in verse 19, and he says this, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandment of God. Now again, Paul is not opposing circumcision in this passage, but at the same time, he's not saying that circumcision is now required for salvation. That's not what he's saying. Rather, Paul resists any claim on God based on what we do, which is circumcision for the Corinthian Christians, versus what we have not done, which would be uncircumcision. You see, what Paul teaches the Corinthian Christians in this moment is important Is this. He says it, keeping the commandment of God. Notice that Paul has just thrown out every custom. He's thrown out every tradition. And he says that what matters most for the believer is following what it is that we have been called to in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, no status we achieve in life will ever earn us Jesus Christ or heaven. And coming back to the text paul states that the church's primary concern should really be keeping the faith their primary concern should be should be keeping the word keeping the fruit that we are now called to bear according to the word of god not the not the extra other nonsense that the world has deemed necessary for us you see i think this is an important distinction and point that paul is making here because too many churches and too many believers have really turned the gospel itself into some sort of kind of feel-good moment with the hopes of welcoming all people. They say things to us like, hey, here we have no walls. Here we have no barriers. Here we have no no's. And not no's on your face, I mean saying the word no. And what Paul would argue, and I believe what the word would argue is this, look, I'm for hospitality. I believe that as Christians, we should be the most hospitable people in the world. Like, we should be leading out in hospitality. However, as believers, we cannot neglect the Word of God and neglect the calling according to the Word of God because we have a standard. In other words, as believers, we cannot drop the standard that has been given to us in the Word of God. So let me say this transparently. Should we lead in hospitality? Yes, absolutely. However, will people come in and be offended by the gospel? Yes, absolutely. If we are preaching the Word of God faithfully. Because the Word of God will either be a sweet aroma of life or it will reek of the stench of death. And ultimately, it's the Spirit of God that does that work in the life of a person. And so here's what Paul says. He says, keeping God's commands reveals now that we belong to the new creation. Revealing the commands of God means that we now belong to the creator and thus we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus we now belong to God and thus are being transformed by the very work of God within our lives. In fact, Paul says as much when you get to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here Paul says to us, if we are content. In remaining in the call, and we will will quickly realize that we are not to be worried about status, then what Paul says to us is this that we will not fall in line or in love with what the world has to offer us. Rather, we find ourselves daily committed and daily changed by the grace of God through the goodness and the truth and the hope and the beauty that is found in knowing His Word. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are truly content in who we are in Christ and where we are, then as Paul has said to the Corinthian Christians, our status will no longer matter. Our goal will no longer be to be like the world. Our hope in life will no longer be to to keep up with the Joneses, just to borrow another cliched phrase. If we are truly content in Christ, the world's culture will no longer matter. Our jobs will no longer matter. The perceptions that we create, whether based upon school choices or the size of our homes, none of that will matter because what will matter is that we belong to Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, we can be content right where the Lord Has us. And if we seek to serve Him, if we seek to worship Him right where He has us, then to God be the glory as we continue to praise His name. You see, if you think about it, this should really change how we view the local church, as a matter of fact. Instead of critiquing the church when we come in or or thinking that we can come in and sit in a seat of judgment and critique everything that takes place in the service maybe we could find ourselves humbly kneeling in a posture of service to the Lord. Because the reality is this, when we come to worship, we don't come to sit upon the seat of judgment. That seat is reserved for Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, does status matter to you? Because if it does, let me ask you this question. Where are you sitting at? Are you sitting on the throne of judgment or are you kneeled in humility, prepared to serve regardless of what it may cost you? Being content with where the Lord has you. But Paul doesn't stop there. He moves on into verses 21 and through 23 and he says, listen, if we remain, then not only will we not worry about our status, but in verses 21 through 23, he says this, if we remain, then we will not worry about our situation. You see, we have, we've already now seen the meaning of verse 20, so we're going we're gonna to jump past that one. That's our middle piece of bread that you should have in a good sandwich. So let's just go ahead and jump into the second word that Paul gives as we seek to remain content in the call to Christ and the call where he has placed us. Verse 21, Paul says, were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. Now let's just pause and take stock of the the context that we have here and what Paul is saying about the bondservants here. You see, we understand that the word bondservant here also means slave. However, for the sake of clarity, let's not apply our modern Western definition of slavery to what it was that Paul was talking about with the Corinthian Christians. You see, the, the definition of slavery that, that we have grown up with, that impacted the United States forced a particular people in a particular culture to be servants of another, being brutally treated and, and never treated even as human with no hope of ever becoming free. They were literally taken from their homes and abused. But in Paul's day, a bond servant in Corinth, though some were mistreated, had a completely different definition. Most bond servants entered into servitude willingly. They were treated fairly. Many of them entered as a as a way of paying off a a debt to society. In fact, some of them became trained in the midst of their servitude as as doctors and as teachers and as and as lawyers and and they were given other working skills that they didn't possess before. And so, what would ultimately happen to these? these particular bond servants especially in in the paul's day with the church of corinth after time many of these same bond servants if they wanted to with the help of the one that they were indebted to could now pay their way out of debt and ultimately become free again and again this was not based on any race this was not based on any particular culture but notice what paul says he says were you a bond servant when called meaning were you a, were you a bond servant when you when you came to Christ were you a bond servant when you received this call to remain content with where you are what does paul say he says then do not be concerned in other words paul says don't worry about your current situation Now, clearly Paul has to say this because some Corinthian Christians were concerned about their situation and they were concerned whether or not they could effectively serve God in their situation. And so Paul says to them, don't worry about it. He can use you for kingdom work in your current situation. In other words, changing your situation really is inconsequential to the work that the Lord has now called you to Now let me unpack what I'm talking about here. For too many years and decades, people believed in the Western church that in order to be a faithful Christian, in order to be able to faithfully serve the Lord, you needed to become a pastor. You needed to become an elder at the church. You needed to go and and be a missionary. And though all these things are good... All these things are, 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 are positions that, are, that are people are called to by the Lord. Here's the reality. You don't have to go into full-time vocational ministry in order to be a servant of the Most High God. That is reserved for those who, who have been called to those particular roles. Now, again, let me say this. Should we as As men and women live out lives and and hope to to grow in in holiness and sanctification to a point where where even as men we we strive to live out the calling of what it means to be a good elder, yes, I think those are good qualifications to live up to. I think that's a good standard for for all of our fellows to seek to grow in in becoming a a Christ-like elder in the church. And we see those definitions in 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. But again, Paul's not saying that. Paul says, look, you don't have to be a pastor in order to serve Jesus. You can serve Jesus right where he has you. So again, give you an idea. Are you a nurse today? Then serve Jesus where he has called you to work. Serve Jesus in the work that he has given you. Serve Jesus in the people that you get to care for. And give God the glory as you work. Are you a teacher today? Or a tutor? Then serve Jesus and seek to glorify Him as you, as you hope to continue to, to spread the beauty of education to our children. Which, oh, by the way, education that was given to us by God. Education that, if we're actually being honest, points us back to God. Are you here today and you're a, you're a stay-at-home mom? Then serve Jesus in your home glorifying God in how you keep your home, glorifying God in how you raise your children. Are you here today and you're working a nine-to-five job or you're working a 12-hour a shift or maybe you're working a job that demands not only a nine-to-five but then it demands another eight hours of you? Then serve Jesus. Give God the glory. Use the opportunity where you work to make Him known because I'm gonna tell you something. You may find yourself in a position of work where it is incredibly painful for you right now. And we're gonna talk about that in a moment. by the way, okay? Because I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, wow, pastor said I'm in this horrible job, so I should stay here. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're gonna talk about that. But what I am saying is this, in the moment that the Lord has you, allow God to work through you, allow him to work through your current situation and praise him in all areas. Now hear this, guys, ladies. I'm not saying you can neglect your responsibilities in other areas. You did not just hear your pastor say, work comes first. That's false. That's not true. But what it does mean is this. If God has blessed you with a job, then serve God faithfully through that job. If God has blessed your home with a marriage and with children, Then see that as sanctification and serve God faithfully through your home. If God has given you singleness in this season or you're widowed, man, this is all 1 Corinthians 7. We've, We've talked about all this already, right? If God has blessed you with what was a beautiful marriage, but now God has called your spouse on to glory, then praise God for the beautiful gift that He gave you, but then praise God for the opportunity. That he has now given you to speak into the life of young marriages. Don't, for a second, miss the opportunity that God is working through your current situation. Remember, Jesus Christ promised us, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He has not forgotten you in what it is that you're going through. Now again, I come back to our text and some have looked at this passage to argue that the Bible actually endorses slavery. But let's just keep reading for a moment. Verse 21. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. Paul literally says, if you can get your freedom, then get it. However, it still doesn't change that you can serve Jesus right where he has you. Now, I want us to pay attention to that because here's where I also believe where some people would look at this passage and say that I shouldn't look for a better job. I shouldn't seek out a better job. Or they they look around and they say things like, well, maybe I shouldn't take that opportunity to to grow in my position. No, I think Paul says here, listen, if you can gain it and you can use that opportunity to, to glorify God in that gain, then go for it. Seek the opportunity and go for it. Pray through. Ask, is this really the Lord's will? And if it is, then go for it. Now, coming back to our text, Paul actually supports this point when you look at verse 22. He says, for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he, when called is a bondservant of Christ. Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, look, if you find yourself enslaved, you can still serve the Lord. Because as you serve the Lord, you are revealing yourself to now be free in Christ. You see, Paul wants the Corinthian Christians to realize that they are not enslaved to their situation. If anything, in Christ, we are now enslaved to Him. But yet, it is Jesus Christ who has now made us free. And therefore, here's what happens. Like we said before, we don't have to serve. We get to serve, and thus we get the opportunity to serve him, and we get to serve the call that he has now pressed upon us, which means we get the opportunity of making him known. I mean, this really, to kind of tie this all together, this kind of goes back to last Sunday night, and by the way, this is why you should really join us on Sunday nights, okay? Not only just for the opportunity to be able to pray for one another, but just as we get into the word, this actually kind of calls back what we talked about when we said that we are now a priesthood of believers, You see, as believers in Christ today, we are called to serve. And because of our salvation, because of what we now have in Christ, we get the opportunity to serve Him. Our situation, our work, our home, our jobs, whatever it is, does not and should not ever prevent us from serving the Lord. We are without excuse. You can serve him right where he has you. At work, serve him. In the home, serve him. In the church, serve him. Which feels like that's kind of obvious, right? Coming back to the text, verse 23. Paul now gives us the why our situation doesn't hinder us from service. He says this, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, do not become bond servants as men. Paul now takes the work of Christ and applies it to our situation just as he did earlier with applying it to our status. Paul says, man, your situation is irrelevant. Because in the grand scheme of things, what matters is the fact that you now belong to Jesus Christ. The body of Christ was broken for you. The blood of Christ was spilled for you. Jesus Christ is, took on the death that we deserve. And yet the story didn't end there. Because three days later, he rose from the grave. Christ defeated death. And then the beauty of the story, it just gets better. There's this ascension that happens. In other words, Jesus returns to glory. He does what no other person had done before. He left heaven and came back. And now because of what Christ has done, we too will defeat death. We too will live in the hope that has been given to us by Christ. We too will spend eternity with Him. We were bought with a price. Our situation is irrelevant when it comes to what we have been given in Christ. So for the Corinthian Christians, status and style or better yet situation really mattered to them. It mattered in terms of their own social standing. And so Paul now reminds them that really those beliefs, as he's already said through the first six chapters, those beliefs are actually prideful. If anything, our our station in society encompassing our status and encompassing our situation, really it's meaningless in the eyes of the Lord. And so we should not enslave ourselves to the meaningless thoughts and actions of men. Why? Because what matters more now than ever is the fact that we belong to Christ. Our status is found in Christ. Our situation belongs to to Christ And knowing those two things, why do we worry? What else could possibly matter? You see, Paul wanted the Corinthian Christians to remember where they are to remain. To remember that they have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now since they belong to him, they should serve him right where he has them. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to say to us today, this statement should also be true of us as well. And we as believers, we can serve faithfully in whatever situations we find ourselves in. Thus, as believers, we shouldn't be concerned or we shouldn't be worried about our present situation. But rather, if anything, let's seek to find together how we can make much of Jesus Christ right where he has us. And let me say to you today, if you could sit here and say, well, pastor, you don't know my job. You're right, I don't. Especially if you do anything in housing and construction. Trust me, I don't. But I do know Jesus. Yeah. And together, I bet we can find a way for how you can glorify Him through your work. And we really need to hear the words of Paul today. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that really should drive our service, not our status, not our situation. And yet, like the Corinthian Christians, we too often worry about our status. We, like the Corinthian Christians, worry about our situation. We find ourselves, even in the midst of our worry, beginning to question God. And yet, here's what happens in those moments. We fail to see that God still has us, that He still has us right where He wants us, and He intends to use our job and use our present situation for His glory. And so believers, can I encourage you for a moment? Would you just stop worrying and maybe rest? Would you just take root right where the Lord has planted you and see the opportunity that God has given you? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's hard to see. I understand that. It is hard to see. But fight for it and see the opportunity that God has given you. In a world that teaches us that really we should improve our situation in order to be effective. In a, in a world that tells us that we need to stop wasting our time reading the word, stop wasting our time gathering as a body of believers for the purpose of worship so that we can be more effective as a member of society. Paul says this, No. Remain in the call that Christ has given you and bloom where you were planted. I quoted him earlier, and so I want to close with another quote by John Piper. On this particular passage, he says it this way. He says, this passage can be stated both as a declaration and a prayer. The declaration is this. How you do your job is a big part of your obedience to Christ. And as a prayer, we can pray. Father, grant to us all the grace to be conscious of your presence at our work and to obey your commands in all our relationships. May our passion, desire, work, homes, and relationships and hearts remind us to remain where we are called. Let's pray together. May